to the SBK betting podcast, a grand national special. The four-mile two-furlong showpiece is back and we have the world-famous national obstacles to look forward to. We've got the direct declarations and we'll go through all our selections on this podcast. And I'm delighted to say that we have Ross Miller, the king of the staying chasers this podcast season Ross so no pressure at all and uh, we look forward to hearing what your selections are a little bit later on I'm afraid to say that we have no Tom Collins we've lost him to illness and James Millman is on racing tv duties so we have drafted in an exceptional substitute in the 2022 racing tv tip star winner Dan Overall the same tipping competition coincidentally won by Ross in 2020. So we are always striving for the best on this podcast. But no pressure, Dan, just got the national to solve on your SBK debut. So thanks Easy. for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as I said, brilliant to have you on board. Um, we're gonna cover three races on this podcast, one less than normal so that we can go through the the big, the standout race, uh, give the Grand National a proper deep dive. Um, but we will start with the 2.25 on Saturday, the Mersey Novices Hurdle, run over two mile, four furlongs. Um, a good feel to this race. We've got some horses coming in from Cheltenham, including Three Stripe Life, who's the current SBK favourite, five to two. Walking on Air, who missed Cheltenham, is three to one. Les Bell is 11 to 2. Stage Star, who pulled up at Cheltenham, is 7 to 1. And Good Risk at All opts for this race instead of a handicap. He is 7 to 1. So, who is going to be the best TC impersonator and tell me how many horses who ran at Cheltenham over the years have won this race? Ross Miller, I'm going to throw that over to you. Wouldn't have a clue, Jess. I'm sure. I'm sure the the, the current winner of uh, Tipstar is bound to have that at the tips of his fingers. But I mean, let's let's wish TC that he, he gets better, though slightly suspicious. Birthday week, Aintree <laughs> Festival sounds a bit like the bug I used to get during the Cheltenham Festival when I was at school. But there we are. Um, this race, Three Stripe Life, you can see why he's favourite. He's been second best now behind uh, Sir Gerhard twice at. Uh, the Dublin Racing Festival and then at Cheltenham uh, in the Ballymore. But Gordon Elliott is one from 79. Um, there can be no doubting they're not in good form. Um, he had a, an odds-on shot beat uh, last week. I don't need much reason to overlook a favourite, um, so I'll happily pass him by. But if they're back to form, he, you know, he's the most likely winner. Um, walking on air is, is really interesting. Very unexposed, perhaps lacks a bit of experience for this but you couldn't help but be taken by how he won last time. Um, that was over two miles, steps up to two and a half. The dam refinement was a very good uh, hurdler for, for these owners. Over three miles, actually won uh, the handicap hurdle at this track, uh, at, this, at this meeting um, many, many years ago. So I think he's got bags of potential. I like the fact that he's missed Cheltenham. You know, he will arrive here fresh. This has been the target. I, I do like that in a, in a horse, but he does lack experience. Good risk at all. I'm absolutely distraught that he's, yeah. he's missed missed I was a handicap. <laughs> I, Crazy choice. I, I think he, you know, I think he can step up to this. I think he's a very good horse, but he has got to step up. His jumping is going to have to pass this test. Um, mm. Sam Tristan Davis on instead of Charlie Deutsch. I've sort of voiced my opinion that I think Charlie Deutsch suits this horse better. Stage start again certainly didn't see the best of him at Cheltenham flat track might suit better Colonel Mustard could improve up in up in trip but the the one at the bigger price that I would take along with walking on air is Nell's son 
Um, strictly speaking, North Lodge is weighted to reverse that Calso form. Uh, North Lodge was giving him £5 last time, was only beaten half a length. But now Stun definitely stayed on the best over that trip of two mile, two furlong. Extra two furlongs I could see suiting. Um, and it's got some quite nice form, again, staying on at Haydock behind uh, John Bon in a race that perhaps got knocked at the time, but perhaps in hindsight wasn't wasn't a bad performance by John Bon. You know, he was clear second best behind Constitution Hill last time. So, again, I think Nelson will probably have been aimed at this as his end-of-season target. 16-1 to 1 is a big price for an unexposed horse from a, from a really smart trainer. Doesn't have the horse that he should have in uh, Nicky Richards. Um, so, at 16-1, to 1, I'd take him along with walking on air. Okay, so Ross has opted for two horses that did miss Cheltenham, possibly on purpose. We know walking on air got a little bit of a, a setback, which meant that he couldn't go to the Ballymore. Um, so he is fresh, but as Ross quite rightly says, is fairly unexposed. So we don't know what the limits are of to him. We possibly know the, the limits of three-stripe life. He's just bumped into Sir Gerhard on multiple occasions, and he's been a bit of a bridesmaid this season, but... An honourable horse, nonetheless. I will give you the stat. What I found is seven of the last 10 did winners did run at Cheltenham. Now, plenty, um, you know, there, there aren't actually that many who've, who come into this race with that Cheltenham uh, run under their belts. Colonel Mustard ran a very good race um, uh, in the county hurdle, but this is a big step up. And Stage Star, the grade one winner, pulled up. Um, Dan, introduce you to the podcast and get your thoughts on this. Um, you know, it's a it's an intriguing little event. It's I, I'm, I think what Ross has mentioned about Gordon Elliott's form is is really crucial. It can be for the rest of the day and for the rest of this meeting um, as well. What did you make of it, and uh, and and how have you figured out your final selection? And just a note on those uh, Cheltenham stats as well. I think it's 14 in the last 22 as well. If we want to go back a bit further, so generally they do run at Cheltenham, but as you say. There are plenty in here who avoided Cheltenham, and I think it may prove beneficial here. To be honest, when I looked at this at the five-day stage, I thought this would cut up a fair bit. Like, I actually backed LA Bell anti-post thinking a few of these wouldn't go. Good risk at all being one of them. I thought he'd be mm. sure to go in a handicap. Three-stripe life I wasn't sure about either. Look, he's been very respectable this season. Three-time grade one runner-up. Last time in the Ballymore, very fair effort. I'd just be slightly cautious of Elliot's form for one, and also anything that ran on that Wednesday at Cheltenham. I know it was the first race, but... They got some horrendous conditions that day. And just on the way they finished that race, obviously Journey With Me took that really heavy fall that thankfully he got up from, and they crawled up the line there. I just wonder if that's taken a bit out of him. So with that in mind, I am going to side with LA Bell, who's coming here as a fresh horse. And she's already finished ahead of Free Stripe Life, albeit it was in last season's champion bumper. Now, she was kept back from the Mayor's Novice for this race, and given how that race was run, it was really slowly run, which is quite unusual. I think that's going to prove quite beneficial here, especially considering she seems to need two and a half miles. If you look back at some of her form now, her emphatic defeat of a horse with no name, who was second in that Mayor's Novice, looks really, really strong. The third from that race, one of the next two starts, is now rate 137. It was a slowly run race behind John Bond. I think you can completely forgive that effort. It didn't suit her being held up over two miles. It was a similar story in Sydney Banks as well. Well, I think she did remarkably well to win there. Again, no pace at all, held up, only getting two pounds from the boys there instead of the usual seven as well. And she beat Gentleman at Arms, who was second in the Leamington before. He's a proper staying type. So to reel him in, given that he had an easy lead and an easy time out in front, I think was a very, very fair accomplishment. Harbour Lake, who was beaten, I think, in fourth when he was brought down. He won Cosley off 126 the other day in a handicap. So the form of that race looks fairly solid. 
And Dan Skelton won this race last year with My Drogo. And I think these other three runners in previous renewals have all placed. It's clearly a race he targets and he does quite well in. Out of the six mares to run in this race in the past 13 years, four of them are placed. So they can do quite well in here. Look, she might be vulnerable to one a bit too good. But we know she's pretty damn good from her bumper days. I think mm -hmm. over this kind of trip in a big field as well, I think it's going to help her play to her strengths over two and a half miles. I, I think she's a live shout and uh, maybe she might drift slightly because the field is quite strong, but I, I think she's going to be bang there at the finish. Okay, really comprehensive and interesting analysis on LA, LA Bell's chances and reading the post-race comments after the Sydney Banks, you could tell Dan Skelton was eager to go for Aintree. He obviously had the other options, which is mares only events, but they uh, they believe that the the track, if anything, is is what will will bring out the best of her. So, eleven to two for La Bell as it stands for Dan uh, walking on air for for Ross, which I which I do agree with. I I just don't know what the limits are, are, are of him, and uh, I think he comes with quite a nice reputation um, and is exceptionally fresh for this race at three to one. Um, and looking back through the years as well, the English have had a very, very good record um, in this race. And uh, I would, uh, I, I'd like to see him uh, run a run a good one for the Nikki Henderson team. Um, okay, so that's the Mersey novices hurdle. Um, we'll head into the Liverpool hurdle over three mile, half a furlong, the dual stairs hurdle hero, Flooring Porter. Out to give that the Flooring Porter Syndicate another memorable day. Uh, he's five to four favourite, and I'm surprised he's not shorter, to be honest. He just needs to beat horses he's already beaten, including Champ and Time Hill, um, who are both 11 to four. And uh, it's really, Ross, whether Danny Mullins, who was a tactical genius the day at Cheltenham, can he control the race again at a track like Aintree, or will the jockeys? knowing what he does and how he does it, will the jockeys try and work out how to how to beat him at his own game? Um, well, I don't think anything that can beat him really wants to go and upset him because I think they all rode how they wanted to ride last time. I mean, Danny Mullins is tactical genius most times you watch him ride, to be fair. Um, King George, you know, he's he's as good as there is. The, the only horse in the field that could perhaps upset the apple cart, so to speak, is Ashdale Bob. Um, he could go forward. He's quite free. Now, if he upsets Flooring Porter, um, who is perhaps a bit mentally fragile, then potentially that doesn't suit. But Danny Mullins appears to be confident that he can, you know, just drop him behind and settle him and he hasn't got to make the running. Um, so I think Flooring Porter is the most likely winner. Um, I don't really want to go in backing him at a short price because the only thing I'd point out is from turning in, to the last hurdle is a very wide open expanse of race course that isn't railed on the inside. Um, now, Florian Porter does hang. He does like to run around a bit. They mm -hmm. definitely pointed to the lack of railing at Punchestown as being as much of an issue for him as going right-handed when he was beaten after Cheltenham last year. If that issue rears its head, then that's potentially a problem. But I would contradict that by saying he has looked far, far more sensible this year. Um, so I think he's the most likely winner. I probably won't have a bet if I were to have a little stab at it. I might chance Kashari at 20 to 1. He was seventh in the stayers, but I think of all of those that were close up, and he was close up in seventh, he would have been the least suited by the tactical affair. He just travelled into it very nicely and just looked a bit tap for toe coming, coming down the hill. 
Um, it could be that Cheltenham's not his track. He had one try there previously in the handicap and was very well beaten. Um, and then ran a really nice race at Aintree in a handicap at, uh, at the start of the year off a, off a top weight. Beat chasers, but quite well-rated chasers having a run over hurdles. I thought that was quite a nice bit of form. If Aintree is more his track and Ashdale Bob helps to force a slightly stronger pace, I think he could perhaps get close to Flooring Porter, though I can't see him beating him. And I just see no reason why Tyne Hill or Champ will will get any closer. So for me, Kashari, fairly speculative, but that's the way I'd be looking at it. Okay. Uh, Kashari is 20 to 1 um, in a race where you can get each way uh, each way pro- uh, places. Um, flooring, I think it's, it's an excellent point um, about Ashdale Bob. He likes to lead. But, you know, we thought that Classical Dream liked to lead. He didn't get it. It's always, it's, you know, clearly about the start, what they do. But as you said, Danny Mullins doesn't seem to panic at all. He just suits his horse so well. Um, I thought it was interesting. Gavin Cromwell talked about that. The reason why he, he tends to hang, he's a, quite an intelligent horse. He was looking to to go round again at Cheltenham. Um, and, you know, and Danny Mullins was very good just to keep him concentrated, but it, it is a completely different track, Dan, um, that he's got to, to undertake. I think it could be actually just that slightly bit easier for him, if anything. I just can't really see anything in here that is good enough to properly fighting to properly frighten him. And they tried to do it uh, Time Hill last time. He is last year's winner, but I just don't think he's ultimately good enough. What do you think? Yeah, I think you guys have made a lot of the points I would have covered. Ashdale Bob's inclusion, I think, is good for the race. I mean, last time when nothing challenged him in the stairs at all, I was just bemoaning it slightly because for as much as Danny Mullins was a great ride by him, that race was fairly over once he had such an easy time and once he was able to to dictate. You can't give such a tactically dependent horse and a jockey of that quality that kind of rope. And again, I think Ross made the point of what's in here that has the possibility to really beat him is going to want to challenge him for the lead. And there isn't really anything. The one horse I would have loved to have seen in here, because I think it might have upset the apple, apple cut a bit more, especially with the other connections horses, is Sporting John, given that he's JP owned. Obviously, they've got Champ as well. He's with Philip Hobbs. They've got Time Hill. And I think they've always thought he's superior to him. I thought he would have been the one to really make this an interesting race. Ashdale Bob might challenge him, but he had a hard race in that Coral Cup. And I'm not sure he's good enough to really perturb him for too long. Molly Ollie's wishes has gone forward in the past, but I think she hasn't beaten a horse when she's raced against the boys this season and probably just isn't up to this standard. So, I mean, I, I was trying to take on Florin Porter in the stairs at Cheltenham based, I thought it might get a bit of a battle up front with Classical Dream. But here, I'm struggling to see what will challenge him and make it difficult. Mm. I think stairs hurdle winners are five from six when a, trying the double at Aintree. None have actually tried since Fissel Crack in 2016, but... I find it very hard to look past four in Porter here. I know maybe Aintree is not the easiest track to make all over hurdles, but I just struggle to see how Time Hill and Champ will reverse that form, like you mentioned, Jess. Yeah, I'm just looking through maybe a chain. Maybe this is the whole point that connections will look at their horses and think, right, it's time that we do change tactics. We don't look like <laughs> horses that would do, but we've got to we've got to give it a go. And the likes of Thomas Darby, Aidan Coleman, they might just say, let let's uh, let's try and do what Classical Dream did to. Uh, flooring Porter at Leopardstown over Christmas and that's where you beat him but I can't see any anything good enough I agree I, I agree with you Dan uh, Flooring Porter for me I think I, I think they don't need to come here but I think they think that, that this horse is is good enough to win this race and just provide the owners a fantastic 
fantastic day out. They've got a serious, serious animal. Um, so that's a Liverpool hurdle. Um, as I said, Koshari uh, for Ross, Florian Porter for Dan and myself. We'll head into the big one um, and we want to spend, spend a good bit of time on the Grand National as it deserves. It takes place at 5.15 on Saturday. Run over four mile, two furlongs. SBK playing six places. It is always a lottery. But nowadays you do need that bit of class. It's not so grueling and stamina laden as it once was. And you need a bit of luck to who will take to these fences, who will outstay their rivals. We've had a bit of drama uh, this morning and the fact that we've got last minute uh, horses that have now uh, got in thanks to others being non-declared. So Claire Surf and Fortitude getting the run. Claire Surf's price has just crashed. Obviously, doesn't take a genius to work out. His form has worked out well with Win My Wings. Um, but I wanted uh, to touch on the lead protagonist. So we've got Delta Work, Any Second Now, and Snow Leopardess, eight to one joint favourites. Respect for them all, but much too short for a national. Uh, before we get into everyone's selections, Ross, I'd like just to get your thoughts on these three, because everyone will be looking at the Grand National and thinking, you know, they're eight to one joint favourites for a reason. Can you get behind any of these at the top end of the market? Uh, in, a word, in a word, no, Jess. Um, there's a lot spoken now that it's just a regular handicap. It's not the jumping test it, that it used to be. And that's probably true. It's not as severe a jumping test it used to be, but it's still the most severe jumping test in Britain and Ireland. Um, you know, if you were into the weighing room and asked a jockey, would they rather ride a novice chase around the May course or the national fences? 100% of them would say the mile may course. It takes a bit of jumping. Delta Work was was a, was an impressive winner of the of the cross country at, at Cheltenham for you know for what sort of race that was. But people seem to forget he's a very clumsy jumper of a fence in general. You know he would have won a lot more races in his career if he could jump consistently, and he can't. So. I wouldn't fancy him at any price really, but certainly not at the price he is. And the same goes for a Claire Surf. Um, you know, he can absolutely wallop one. Uh, Tom Bellamy, I think, has done a piece with SBK, so saying that he lacks concentration at times. Well, there's nothing like 39 other horses galloping mm. around you to sort of maybe <laughs> distract you. So that that would worry me. Um, and then the mayor, you'd love to see her win it. I mean, what a great story that would be. But I just have my stamina doubts with her. She looked very tired at the end of the, the beach. And now, yes, she got to the front a long way out and was perhaps idling. She was tired. Um, she's got more weight again. Um, I'm not into stats. So the fact she's a mayor, the fact she's great, she doesn't know that and she doesn't care about that. Um, but I just think she's a short enough price and is probably a price that's been compacted a little bit by, by the story. Um, but I will give you one stat that I think might be pertinent to this race. All of the handicap chases at the Cheltenham Festival were won by British trained horses. Um, and in the three mile chases, the Kim Muir and the Ultima, Britain had the first three home. Now, that is as a direct consequence of what the handicapper has tried to do in, in sort of leveling the playing field. Mm. Um, that, that's relevant to this race because he would have applied the same logic to, to the Irish horses here. So um, there's a lot of Irish horses at the front of the market. A lot of people saying that the Irish have the first 10 home, et cetera, et cetera. I just wouldn't be so sure. Mm, that is very interesting. I'm just looking at the first 10 at least weighted and all of them bar one, two, and that's uh, Easy's Land and Lost in Translation are English trained. 
So, you know, the majority of those at the top of the handicap are Irish trained and it is a really fair point. Um, they have, you know, they, they, they've dominated this race over the last few years. Um, and I thought it was another, it was worth, worth weighing saying that two of the last 11 favourites, joint favourites have won, two of the last 11. Um, and horses in the top of the market, yes, we've seen Tiger Roll, yes, we... Any and Manella Times last year was well supported before the off, but historically we've looked back and we found and there is value and there are classy horses that come into this that are further down the pecking order. Um, I thought it was important to touch on the lead protagonists and Dan, I get your thoughts as well because you know there are they are that they are those prices for the reasons um, you know the reasons that they showed this season. Snow Leopardess, I thought perhaps her form wasn't as as good maybe ain't any second now is worth mentioning because he did run an exceptional race in this contest last year he was hampered and there is again if you're looking at records and trends horses that have trying this race at second time they they can go well again so he does come into this with experience in this albeit he's now up in weight yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, he was my pick last year and I was a bit heartbroken when he was hampered as he was and he never really had a chance from there on out. And to finish as well as he did was quite remarkable, I thought. I will just say, I think his chance may have gone though. Now a 10-year-old up seven pounds. He's short enough now based on that. He's had a decent prep again this year, like over three miles this time as opposed to two miles as his prep race. But I think he's short enough just based on the age and the fact he's up in the weights. Looks, I think, like Ross said, Snow Leopardess, what an absolute star she's been. One of the stories of the season, without a doubt, regardless of what happens here result-wise, like she has been remarkable to watch and follow. But again, I, I just really wouldn't be interested in a bet at her at the prices. I think, as, mm. as said in the beach, she was labouring close to home and this is going to be another thorough examination of her and maybe this is just one bridge too far. And like Ross said, again, with Delta work, I mean, people are forgetting that he didn't exactly used to excel in the jumping department. I know he's been rejuvenated by the cross-country fences, seemingly, but that isn't a cheat code to automatic national success like Tiger Roll was. I know people are seeing the same silks, same kind of route, and think it must happen again. He's got the decent back class, but again, he's been well-found in the market. And for all that I can see the case, again, the, the price just wouldn't be for me. Okay, well, what I'm pleased to hear is that you guys are in, within my thinking that there is value to be still found in the Grand National because <laughs> over the over the couple last couple of years, I've got a little bit worried about this race that 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 that's disappearing. And Ross, King of Valley, we know that this seat this year <laughs> gone by. Where is it in this year's Grand National? Well, I'll give you my three, but I'll give you two that came close to the list and, and just missed out. Uh, the main deal, who I actually mentioned on a, a long-gone previous podcast, that I'd shrewdly backed anti-post at 100 to 1. He's still available mm -hmm. 100 to 1, so that's how shrewd that was. He's got in. <laughs> As I've looked at it more closely, I just wonder that he could be getting a bit far back and come from too far too far back. But I think he's interesting. He stayed on very well over the, over the beach, and I think this has been the target. Cloth cap is another one that, interested me i've got a mayor from his family so i always follow him closely he's four pound lower than last year if the wind has worked and the grim thought was just about getting him right then he's perhaps the forgotten horse but i've reluctantly passed him over so the three i've come down on uh burrow saint i think he traveled too well last year and i think patrick mullins perhaps turning in thought i'm going to win the national and maybe used up a bit too much petrol mm. a bit too early um 
2005 hedge hunter fell at the last when a, when beaten and went tied in third. Um, I swiftly put a line to him for 2006 as a non-stayer, won't get home, and he absolutely hosed up. Um, I can see a little bit of a parallel here with this horse. He's a pound lower, poor town end rides. Um, you do have to forgive a very poor run last time, but that wouldn't worry me overly. He was pretty good behind album photo the time before. 20 to 1 is probably skinny enough, given that you've got to forgive a few things, but I did think he was interesting. Uh, Kildesart for, for Ben Pauling, I think has been aimed at this since coming back from injury. Um, he's well handicapped off 147, have been second in the 2020 Ultima off 150. Um, he's won on the, the Mild May track previously, three mile handicap chase. Um, I think 40, 41 to one years with SBK is a, is a, is a decent price. And then the final one, you've always got to go with a sort of quirky sort for the national. And there is none more quirky than D Shabba. Um, he has been a bit more consistent this year. You know, he ran badly in the Welsh National, but a lot of horses did. I think the ground there found a lot out, so I happily forgive that. He stays very well. Again, he's run some nice races at the track, notably over hurdles at the start of uh, this season. Um, 66 to 1, I could see him. He's either going to hate it or he'll love it. If he loves it, I think he's well-weighted, nice big price. Uh, be nice to see Trevor Hemming Silks in the winner's enclosure once again. Um, and Philip Hobbs is a, a trainer that probably deserves that real big winner. So those are my three against the field. We love that. Okay, 661D Shabba uh, and uh, Tom O'Brien on board, Philip Hobbs. And I could believe when I see he's just a nine-year-old, as is Boris Saint, just a nine-year-old, which is, again, good for the trends. We want you Well, you know me in the trends, Jess. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You've been you've been filling in for, for Tom. Um, okay, we, we've heard from from Ross and his his selections. Uh, Boris Saint, Kildasart and Dishaba. Um, and uh, we, uh, we, uh, we, we wish you luck, Ross, uh, after finding the Scottish national winner. Um, Dan, uh, we'll come to you now and get your thoughts on, uh, on, on where the value might lie in the Seas Grand National. Yeah, so a, a couple for me. Uh, the first one, probably my main bit in the race, will be Longhouse Poet. Now, he landed a bit of a gamble to win the Fiestas. I think the, the week before he was getting backed in all the time. And I think if you're on those fancy prices then, in truth, you were always happy that day. He always looked like the winner there. Admittedly, the winning margin wasn't massive in the end, but he was a shade comfortable there. And that didn't really come out of the blue if you look back for his form. He beat Monkfish in a bumper. He was third in a couple of grade one novice hurdles. His novice chase campaign was pretty decent as well in context. I mean, he was second to Janadil over an inadequate trip, and he's proven to be a fair operator this season. And then he beat Ron Wild Fred in the novice chase before injury ended his novice campaign. And he's had kind of an old school prep leading up to this. Obviously, he won the Fiestas and then he was sent back over hurdles. And Connections did the exact same thing with number six Valverde, who won the national back in 2006, which I really like that angle coming into a national. And he's only an eight-year-old, a sound jumper. He's had six starts over fences, which wouldn't be masses of experience, but he's had that big handicap experience, where I think is crucial. And he's unexposed enough to think there might be a bit left. I don't think he's marked exactly a gift, but... I think he's definitely waited to run well in this kind of a race. And his profile to me just stands out quite nicely as something I think can see thriving in this kind of environment because he's a very sound jumper as well. And to back up what Ross said as well, uh, the Kildasart hope lives on. I think to get trying to aim for this race for one year, I think they've been aiming for the last three years. 
and it's been issue after issue with him, bless him. I think even in the virtual Grand National, I think he was done a bit dirty. I think he finished 15th in that. I think he should have won that hands down. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of them where it's been the aim for a long time. Obviously, they've had their issues. Some of his back form in big handicaps is exceptional. Ross has already mentioned that second in the Ultima off 20, in 2020 when Aintree was going to go at, well, it was the plan, but for well-documented reasons, it didn't. Then he had an injury issue after the Labrooks last season. And they finally got him here this time around. And I thought the reappearance race over two and a half, that was going to be a trip always on the short side, but he shaped really well, I thought. Out in rear, traveled quite nicely through the race, looked to take a bit of a blow and then stayed on again quite powerfully, as you'd hope for this kind of a prep for this race. And that was pretty much bang on what I hoped to see. As I said, plenty of big handicap experience. He's off the same mark here as when he won at Aintree a few years ago on the Mild May course. The cheek pieces are back on. They were left off last time out. Is a sound jumper. I don't think stamina is going to be an issue. I think this is the time for him. I think there's no reason why he shouldn't run a big race here. Like he's a very decent jumper as well. He's not like exuberant, but you don't really need to be in this. Just need to be solid and accurate. And I think all things considered, he's got a lovely profile for the race. Well, 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 kill the start. And would you believe it? That is exactly where I was finding, where I was looking as well. I, I believe that he has that bit of class. Um, and, you know, this return run was really eye-catching. And that day he was ridden by James Bowen, um, who was really delighted by what, what he put up and what is essentially a trip far too short for him. What, what, what were your thoughts then, Dan, when you heard Daryl Jacob, who obviously had all the options with the Simon Neo and Isaac Swade horses, um, had went for good boy Bobby as opposed to killed the start? Uh, I wasn't too concerned, really. I mean, I, 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 it wasn't too much of an issue. I, I can see why he's probably gone with him because he's, he's probably had a more productive season this year. He's ridden in plenty of times in the past as well. I know he's ridden killed the start as well, but more recently this season, he's ridden uh, good boy Bobby, one to, to win at Weatherby, and then he was second to I write, I think, at Newcastle as well. So plenty of experience riding him recently. Uh, I think that's more the reason for the decision more than anything. Uh, I I really wouldn't worry about the jockey booking for Kildasar at all. Yeah, if anything, Ross, what, what are your thoughts? If anything, I think it's a, a positive. I think James Bowen is a, a, a brilliant jockey. Um, obviously, this is a big, you know, this Daryl Jacob, he's got Grand National winning experience, but I just love the way James Bowen rides horses like this, um, how he jumps a fence, how he sees strides. And I think that this is, I was just gutted last year. He was meant to ride Secret Reprieve um, and they didn't get in. And I think that this, he's also won over these Grand National fences with McTotty. Um, he knows, he knows, he's just, he's a, a kind of jockey that you, you want on side when you find a horse like this. Yeah, uh, truthfully, I'm delighted Daryl Jacobs chose good boy Bobby, to be honest. I mean, J James Bowen is is an excellent rider, very good to the fences. I mean, he won the Welsh National when he was 14 years old or something, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, I mean, you forget he's still a really young lad. He's got bags mm -hmm. of experience, um, you know, comes from a family that would be really steep, that horse people, not just jockeys. Um, and I think you do need that round the national fences. So, yeah, I think he's a, a, a great booking and... Uh, I, I'm just delighted to to hear I'm not sailing a lone a lone boat as I often am.
<laughs> not at all. I don't actually know if we've had a, a three-way tie, in, especially with a national selection. Um, so yeah, brilliant. I back up um, the guys, you know, look, Kill the Start is a sound jumper. He's won around entry. He was a classy novice. He was fourth in a, in a grade one at Cheltenham as a no novice. And I, I thought he'd be my price play. 41 to one. Looks like it, it seems like he's quite obvious. Everyone else hasn't found him yet. That price might go once you've heard this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, Kill the Start, I, I, as I said, I, I agree with. And I, I do, I think that Dan, you make really good points about Longhouse Poet as well. Um, he's going down that number six Vivaldi uh, route. And again, he's just this clock. You're looking for these kind of classy animals and he's been placed in two grade one hurdles over two and a half miles. And is that sound, sound jumper. Um, and that's also um, what, I believe um, freewheeling Dylan is. And I think, look, this is a bit of a wild one because he's not actually completed a race this season. Um, but uh, at 50 to one, well, he was 150 to one when he won the Irish National uh, last April on ground, which was be much more suitable to him then than it was when he pulled up at, at Ferry House in a hurdle. I wouldn't be too worried about that run. Um, I think that the soft ground really found him out that day. It, the jockey reported to say that he was never really traveling. Um, and that's probably a sign that he just wasn't overly comfortable in the ground, uh, but he loves to jump. And he also, when he won um, the Irish national, he really was given a positive ride and you've got to be, you've got to be pretty pacey. You've got to really enjoy attacking your fences in a national, um, which this horse has done. Um, and I just thought he was just too big um, for, a, for an Irish national, Irish national winner. So he's, he's, um, he's a good price as it stands as well. As I said, 50 to one with SBK where you can get six places. Um, look, we can go through this race and pick out plenty of other, other names. And I just, wondered um before we before we end off our uh, our thoughts um ross come back to you to the point that we we're making just briefly about some of the horses that sort of crept in fortescue being one of them it'd be interesting for the henry daly team whether they even thought that this race was even going to materialize in the end um you know that horse has got fairly useful form he's been a he's a horse that you you'd imagine um if they knew that he was going to definitely get her on they'd prep them in do they would they do you imagine that they would be prepping hoping that this would happen how do you even how do you even work that out at this stage yeah i think i think you would have to go with that wouldn't you? you'd have to uh, hope for the uh hope for the best and prepare for it and um if you didn't get in whichever poor lad or lass uh you just you like the least you get them to go and do it with a race course gallop when it's when it's mad fresh um he he is interesting and uh he's got form behind five star getaway who runs in the top and tomorrow we think we'd have a great chance in that if five star getaway goes close in the top and that's a nice little boost for his form before the saturday um yeah he's he's a he's a lively outsider from a trainer that's done really really well this year although things have slightly quietened in the last in the last month for henry daly yeah. And as you were saying earlier, I think it's a, a final point to remind because we haven't actually picked out a, a, a Gordon Elliott runner. Um, is that the form of the a form of the yard? And um, perhaps that perhaps that will be reflected in, on how this race pans out for him. We shall see. There's always there's so much that you could pick out. The, the reason why this race has become so tricky, more tricky is that these horses, you know, they've all got genuine 
good class form behind them. Um, whether some of them are a bit long in the tooth, whether it's come too soon for them, we don't know. But the three of us do all like kill to start. That's all we can say, 41 to one as it stands. Um, so let's see how that pans out for us. Uh, Longhouse Poet as well for Dan, um, myself, I, I would I'd back that too, 16 to one. Burrow Saint for Ross. Um, we've also got um, who's at who's at twenty to one. Um, a big price Deshaba at sixty six to one, um, and Kildersart as I said forty one to one, and then my big wild wild one Free Will and Dylan at fifty to one. So I think we've done everything we can to to give us give you our insight into the Grand National. Um, but there's plenty of good racing in and around um, the races that we have previewed. So always a good opportunity um, if the guys want to, to, to throw out a nap or a next best outside of these. So Dan, I'll come to you for nap and next best selection. So the nap will come in the bumper. And of course, I know Ross is also a big fan of Henry II. I think he's 13 to two currently. I absolutely adore this fella. He was so keen and green on his debut. But he, he won in the manner of such a promising horse. Logan Williams was having such a hard job keeping like his mind on the task at hand. But once he got the hang of things, he just powered away in, in the manner of a very decent horse. Back that up at Ascot, again, looking raw, hanging left. So I think going back left-handed is only going to suit him. That form's been quite well franked by Top Dog and Authorised Speed, who've done well since. And Paul Nichols has won this race with McFabulous and Napa Hill in the past two years. In fact, Napa Hill also won the same listed Ascot bumper as Henry II did. So there's precedent for coming here. This is the race Paul Nichols tends to throw his best bumper horses at these days. He's not a massive fan of the champion bumper. And you see there's a couple that Willie is sending here, and I don't exactly think they're his A-team. So at 13 to 2 at the minute for Henry II, I'd be bitterly disappointed if he isn't bang there at the finish. And whatever happens here, he's going to make a lovely hurdler and an even better chaser. Okay, so nap selection. 13 to 2 for Henry II uh, for Dan. And your next best? Uh, next best, I'll go L.A. Bell. I think this has been the plan for a while. The race is deeper than I would have hoped, but I can see it setting up quite nicely for her. And uh, I'd be, again, disappointed if she isn't at least placing here. Yeah, a really good case made for LA Bell earlier on in the pod from Dan. Um, okay, and to Ross, for your for your nap and your next best. So nap comes in the 4.15. It's a Saturday afternoon, televised race, three-mile handicap chase. You need the Welsh wizard Christian Williams on your side. Uh, Captain Ord ran an absolute cracker last time to uh, win the Coral Trophy at Kempton. Uh, he's up eight pounds, but I still think he's he's nicely handicapped. Kitty's light gave a good look to the form when mm. second uh, last week in the Scottish National. Um, and Captain Ord was placed last year um, off a higher mark. This is a mark of 149, was third in the Skybet chase at Doncaster. Christian Williams is in super form does everything right. I'm certain this will have been the target from the second he crossed the line at Kempton in the Coral Trophy. Um, and I expect him to go very close in a market that is made by Chamblou. Um, he's, he's a decent price. Uh, and then the next best, 145, three-mile handicap hurdle. Again, I'm nothing if not predictable. But Don Levant remains well, remains well handicapped. Uh, this will suit him. Three mile is the trip. Let's hope the ground doesn't get too desperate. Isabel Williams will weave her way through. Um, he was second in, uh, at this meeting last year, over two and a half miles, beaten by a handicap blot. Um, nice long straight at Aintree will suit him well. And I expect him to be to be bang there again, another decent each way price. Okay, uh, Captain Ord, seven to one, Donovant 12 to one. Um, uh, yeah, a good point about the ground. Look, looks like it's good to soft. Everyone is 
and is having kittens about the the ground and what the what the watering system is at the moment um do not envy the position of the of the officials at Aintree but I'd imagine it's going to be good soft um it doesn't look like it's going to get much worse than that um okay for me uh, my nap is flooring porter can't see him get beat five to four i think is quite generous price really for this horse um and what's not to know this is my next best he's 22 to one um for the grade three handicap hurdle run over three mile and a half at 145 um i thought he ran a brilliant race in the attempts to run seventh he was 40 to one that day i think i tipped him up uh, at the time, Mouse Morris's horses were really not running very well. He had had two winners all year, um, all season, sorry, in fact. Since then, he's been not race, running a huge amount of horses, but he's had winners, which is really crucial. Um, he's actually had three winners. Um, so he's he's had more winners over the last few weeks than he's had for the, all season. So I think those horses are in better form. Um, and I think what's not to know has been one of them that's been running well despite the yard um so i think 22 to 1 is pretty generous for a horse who uh, actually was dropped a pound for that run at cheltenham so that is my next best um we've gone through our grand national selections hopefully we found um some winners for you in there um as always the sbk offer for new customers they can get 30 pounds in free bets by depositing 10 pounds t's and c's do apply so a uh, massive thanks to dan um for joining us today to ross as well best of luck to you all um i hope you've enjoyed the podcast remember to like subscribe we'll be back again um sadly for ross it looks like we might be heading into more and uh, more flat scenes over the next coming weeks but we do have things like punchestown fairy house we have an irish national probably to solve as well um so a lot to look forward to um, but we hope that we've given you a little bit of good luck for this weekend